1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm
2: Marjorie. I'm Arnie. Big show this week. We've got a lot of people joining us. Brock is here with a book review of the brand new Star Wars novel, A New Dawn, tying into Rebels, the first book, the first novel in the new canon. So he'll be joining us with that and Andrew reporting in. From Gen Con, because that happened just a couple weeks ago. Last weekend was Wizard World Chicago.
1: Yeah, we went up there as we always do. I think we've done it every year we've been together just about, right? I think there's maybe one year I didn't go with you.
2: There's two years we didn't go. In 2000, neither of us went. In 2001, I went alone. It was my first trip up to a con, and you stayed home. And then in 2002, we went to get autographs from Kit Fisto and some other Attack of the Clones Jedi, and we've gone every year. So this was our 12th trip to Wizard World. And there was... A bit of online chatter about this not being good for Star Wars fans. Rumor has it, I have not reached out to the 501st myself, but what I've been told is that the 501st chose to boycott Wizard World due to a lack of Star Wars talent, as well as their changing rules on tickets and table prices for cosplayers.
1: Yeah, if you're a fan group, what they've done is you now have to pay for a table and you also have to pay for the passes to go with the associated table, whereas before they would donate a table and donate some passes. So now that you have to pay in, a lot of people decided not to go. Now, I will tell you that it was very noticeable. I don't think I saw a single Star Wars costume the entire weekend.
2: I saw a few Sith, but it was certainly downplayed. I didn't see the normal Stormtroopers. I didn't see any Boba Fetts. But there were a couple of Sith around and a lot of lightsabers, a few Jedi. But these, you know, I people obviously on their own are just enjoying the cosplay.
1: Yeah, it was noticeable though. With no stormtroopers around. They've been such a presence in the past.
2: It didn't hurt Wizard World, though. The place no. was packed.
1: It was crazy. Saturday was so intense. I-, I didn't even know what to think. It was as crowded as it's ever been. And then some.
2: It actually was glorious Saturday morning. I would thought maybe nobody was coming. What if you threw a con and no one came? Because nobody was in the aisles. And then we started hearing the news. Two hour plus traffic jam from the exit to the convention center. Which is, I'd say, about a 7 to 10 minute walk at a leisurely pace. Two hours to drive it and get a parking spot. So everybody flooded in right around noon and from noon till six the place was just packed we left the floor for a while to catch a breather we were there both saturday and sunday but not a lot of star wars programming or anything like that lots of star wars comics if you're into comics the toy vendors overall i've been promoting wizard world for as long as we've been doing star wars action news as a great place to get some discounts Not so much this year, although I must admit there may be a little bit of podcast host bias here. I spent four hard, grueling days organizing my collection the week before the con. That kind of took away some motivation to buy extraneously.
1: When you pretend you work in a warehouse and it's actually your house, it makes a huge difference in your buying practices for the next two weeks, I imagine.
2: There's that meme going around, it was perhaps a year ago, about what my friends think I do, what my parents think I do. And there was one for collectors. And what I actually do was be crushed by boxes. Mm -hmm. That was kind of me. And so I did see some Star Wars items. But really what drew my attention was vintage. I saw like a vintage boxed, but not mint or mint box Death Star from the 70s and Ewok play sets and some of that stuff. Some mini rigs that were really kind of cheap at 20 dollars. I don't know if they were complete, but it became a question of not do I want it for my collection or even if it's a good value, do I need it today?
1: Yeah, that was kinda nice because we didn't have to carry anything. Anything we took back was just like sketches. So we didn't have to take toys back. Usually at Wizard World, I have to make at least four trips on Saturday to the car with stuff you've been able to get bargain prices on. But aside from the fact that you've changed a little for at least The next few days because this isn't going to last
2: as long as my back is sore. I think this will last when my back starts feeling better
1: Yes, and then we'll change I'm sure but I also think that there were a lot less toy vendors this year
2: It felt like it they had changed the entire floor layout last year was different than any year before because they'd switched sides of the convention hall and it became a two-story thing and that was really interesting this time they had both sides and One side was 50% autographs and then 50% vendors. The other side was 50% artist alley and 50% vendors. So when you needed to go from one to the other, you had to walk through the lobby.
1: That was fun because there's nothing more fun than walking through congestion between points A and points B and C and D.
2: The only problem with it, it wasn't that congested, but that's where all the cosplayers posed for photos. And so I'm sure I was accidentally in... Like, a good dozen photos just trying to get to a booth.
1: I would just smile. I'll be honest.
2: I just <sighs> smiled. It also didn't help, I think, to a lot of the congestion was because <laughs> Wizard decided to run two conventions in the same hall the same weekend. Of course, that seems cost effective. You've already got your staff there. You've already booked the convention center. So if you can sell tickets to a second demographic, why not do so? This demographic happened to be shrieking teen girls who watch way too much YouTube.
1: It kind of felt like when we walked into the hotel that we were either in the midst of a One Direction concert or a cheerleading convention. Turns out it was this thing called Social Con, which is apparently for young girls to watch 18-year-old boys make YouTube videos. And, And there was a pug.
2: Yeah, it was a little bit nutty at times. I kind of peeked my head into Social Con. It was scarier than any horror movie I'd seen in a decade. I fled.
1: It was pretty frightening because these girls, their volume was all turned up to like 50 and they were shrieky and I couldn't take it. I just couldn't. I, I don't think I could take a One Direction concert if that's the clientele. Someone tried to get me to go to one and I'm like, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Can't do it. And they were all just hyper excitable about seeing these boys with the Justin Bieber hair and their YouTube videos.
2: The really sad thing, I guarantee each one of those YouTube stars makes more than we do combined.
1: Oh, probably. But you're also not an 18 year old boy. On YouTube.
2: So he has money and youth.
1: <laughs> Why should I not hate him again? But you know what's gonna happen in five years? He's gonna go nowhere. He's gonna go back to work in a subway.
2: And he'll still have youth, damn it. But we had a good time at Wizard World. I was more interested in seeing modern prices than I was vintage prices. I'm looking, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, for some three and three quarter inch Black Series figures, and I was curious about the prices of other Black Series figures. Most interestingly were the large number of San Diego Comic-Con Jabba the Hut packages I saw there, ranging in price, the cheapest was around 150, 160, most expensive, 210 but none of them were in very good boxes
1: no they all were dinged and bented and crushed which makes me think that that did not ship well
2: yeah the one that i saw for 200 looked like somebody had stepped on it it honestly looked like a crushed shoe box i'm like you're one of the more expensive people in here selling it and it is demolished good luck with that big thumbs up to you scalper sir but What I didn't see were any of the other exclusives, the Cantina Showdown set or the Toys R Us A.T.S.T. set. And speaking of toys in stores, I did overcome my fear and I have braved Toys R Us thinking I will try to be strong and not buy the A.T.S.T. Well, the fates were on my side. Our store doesn't have the (laughs) A.T.S.T. And we're not alone. A lot of stores appear, based upon feedback we're getting from listeners, they have the Cantina Showdown, quite a few of them, and they're not going anywhere. But none of the ATST sets, so now I have to keep my eye open a little bit more. But unless Star Wars Command Army Build figures are your thing, if that's your groove, then head out to the stores. I'm not finding anything in stores right now, and not for lack of trying. I mean, hitting Toys R Us, Target, Walmart, but strangely, most specifically, Walgreens. Lots and lots of Walgreens.
1: And that's just as dangerous as Target because there's always something you need in Walgreens.
2: Well, I think Justin said it best on our last issue of Marvelicious Toys, the Marvel Collecting Podcast. You can go into Walmart or you can go into Target and walk out with nothing. But at Walgreens, they're not expecting people to not find what they're looking for. What is it you came to Walgreens for that they don't have? Advil? Aspirin, cold compress, rectal thermometer, I mean they have it for you there, so when they leave and shout their, be well, and you're not buying something, they have to think you're shoplifting.
1: Yeah, it is kind of awkward. I do feel bad sometimes, so I always just kind of look and buy some nail polish.
2: (laughs) See, it's dangerous. It is. buy Red Bulls or cases of soda or the occasional Cosmo magazine. Why are you buying Cosmo? (laughs) I'm kidding. Oh, good. Thank you. But... I'd been looking specifically for Marvel's Agent Venom. I didn't think we would see the Walgreens-exclusive White Boba Fett for quite some time, because they had the Game of Thrones figures there on an end-cap cardboard thing, and they were clearancing those out. It looked like Venom was replacing them, and as there had been tons and tons of sightings of Venom, but none of Boba Fett, I kind of figured Venom would have 30 to 45 days, and then... Boba Fett would replace Venom the way Venom would replace Game of Thrones. But my jaw hit the floor when last Friday, I'm looking at Yak Face's Facebook page, and what do I see but Jason from Yak Face, good friend of ours, found a white Boba Fett and had it in hand.
1: So that means they're getting close. It'll happen soon, but you pre-ordered it.
2: I pre-ordered two of them during that 24-hour window. They were online. Some people are getting nervous, though. I mean, these are hitting stores... Nobody has gotten shipment notification on the Venoms or the Boba Fetts.
1: I've never ordered from Walgreens.com, so I don't know how that w- goes.
2: Yeah, I don't either. So if the Agent Venom is anything to follow, though, don't overpay. Don't jump at a scalper price for this white Boba Fett, because that Agent Venom started to trickle out here and there, and people were paying $30, 35 for this $19.99 figure, And then, just last week, Agent Venom's hit nationwide. Stores were getting 8 to 16 of them, just tons of them, and now a lot of the scalpers can't even get cost-plus shipping anymore because people don't need to pay shipping. They can just go to the store and pick it up. I'm betting, based upon my conversations with Hasbro that you can hear in our San Diego Comic-Con coverage, as well as the reports online with this Agent Venom, you'll be able to find your white Boba Fett.
1: Oh, I'm positive you will be able to.
2: What's even more shocking is because of the White Boba Fett, the stores that are getting them also appear to be getting the first shipments of the Wave 4 6-inch figures. These are the taller windows with the blue piping on the box, Chewbacca, Darth Vader. These are starting to show up, but currently exclusively at Walgreens. I've placed my order for those online, and the e-tailers haven't even gotten them yet.
1: That's interesting.
2: But... Other than the corner of Happy and Healthy, the only store that's really getting new Star Wars collectibles of any sort is Disney Stores. And I'm a little bit underwhelmed with the new figure line that's hitting Disney now.
1: What are those? I was looking at those and I'm kind of confused by them.
2: What they are, are figure playsets of non-articulated little figures. Yakface had posted about them back a few months ago. And this is completely to be expected because Disney had been doing these with Marvel characters for quite some time. And I've seen those in stores. In addition to having no articulation, the paint apps are iffy, the detail is okay, they're not bad. But my immediate thought was, they clearanced out all of those Marvel sets. I picked them up for pennies on the dollar after they'd sat on shelves for a couple of years, Why would they be making more of these that I remembered? What was it that we were told Disney said? The Star Wars license wasn't exploited enough. So what you do is you make this cheap stuff. You put it out there at a high price. You make your money. You don't care about collectability. You don't care about longevity. Once you've made your money, clearance out the rest, move on to the next one.
1: Can I just point out that I said this would happen when Disney bought Star Wars? because this is exactly what they've done to the Marvel brand, and this is exactly what they do to any other Disney property. If you go into any retail outlet, whether it be a Circle K gas station, a Dollar General, all the way up to a Macy's or Bloomingdale's, something along that target in between, you are going to find something from a Disney product line at any given price point. Now, Starting at down Dollar General, it's going to be crap. I mean, let's face it. They put the lowest price point and probably a higher margin things in those stores. But this is what happens. This is why you can walk into Big Blots at any given time, buy crap loads of Marvel stuff or crap loads of Disney Princesses stuff. Root but be- it's
2: all the stuff no one wants.
1: No, people still buy it. It doesn't matter. Root beer fra- flavored lip balm? Absolutely. You're going to have that with C3PO on it soon. This is what's going to happen,
2: people. It is what's going to happen, absolutely, but I'm of two minds. On the one hand, I would love to live in a world where no matter where we go, I find Star Wars.
1: Would you? seriously? Seriously? Come on, let's think about this.
2: Hey, anywhere I go in my house, I find Star Wars. It would be great if I could leave my house and find it.
1: But part of the fun of Star Wars collecting, whether it be new or vintage or anything in between, is the thrill of the hunt. Is it really a hunt if you just walk into a store and go, yep. I don't have that battery case. I guess I'll buy that.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. I said it would be fun to see Star Wars. The catch is selective buying is a must. Because these Disney figures, I think that when I talked to Duncan, something he said really clicked. You can be a completist, but know your price. For example, Star Wars lip balm. My price for that is if someone gives it to me, I won't throw it in the garbage. (laughs) I will... Figure out a way to keep it in a collection so that it doesn't damage anything else around it. But I won't pay a penny for it. These little Disney figures? There's a job of the hut in there that's kinda cool-ish. I'll set my price at about seven fifty.
1: I did just find out that there is a new Disney Outlet store near us. So perhaps that's where these will end up and you can buy them for a song. Although I went to the Disney Outlet store in Chicago and it was the same price.
2: But those Marvel sets I passed on those for years, literally years. A couple of times, Full Moon would hit, I hadn't found any figures for a while, I'd be like, maybe, and I pushed away, and I waited years and got them all for a song, and that's kind of my long game with these figures too, because eventually there's going to be some really cool stuff coming from action figure lines and statue lines and all that stuff, and. The money that I will have wished I hadn't spent on those figures that won't retain their value, these little mini figures, I'll want at that time. So, Episode 7 has completely changed my paradigm of thinking about collecting. That said, I am going to hit a Disney store because the talking Boba Fett is hitting per Yak Face, and we really liked that Stormtrooper, you can go back to the archives and hear our review, but now there's a Boba Fett. Although, I gotta think, what does he say? What if he doesn't survive? He's worth a lot to me. Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. And it's Django Fett's voice. Well, that's the latest version until the next version. Mm. I don't know if we'll get more versions now that George isn't involved. George.
1: That rascal.
2: But as far as Hasbro figures go, the first online retailer that I saw started taking pre-orders for new figures in the 3 and 3 quarter inch Black series. That's Dorkside Toys. And they have individual figures up for order, including Commander Wolf in the realistic style, Commander Thorn, Yavin Ceremony Princess Leia, Yavin Ceremony Chewbacca, you know, the I didn't get a medal Chewbacca, Commander Doom, Mosip Binid, and others are all up for pre order. You can get the wave or just the individual figures. We saw these all at San Diego Comic Con, and I'm. Anxious to place my order online because I have no faith I will ever see these on pegs. Commander Doom actually looks kind of cool, although I wonder if he got that name because he looks like he stole Dr. Doom's green outfit.
1: He probably did. That's exactly how it happens in that kind of world.
2: It's funny. Initially, it was an homage, and now they're all Disney characters. Oh, boy. But speaking of black series figures, that is wave six that we're starting to see out there. But we are finally, after many promises of doing so, going to review wave four of the three and three quarter inch black series. They've been sitting in our studio here for about a month as we've been hoping to get to them and finally take a look and see what Hasbro has been giving us lately. Now, the first figure in this new wave, figure number 20, Bastilla Sean, a chance for people to get her who missed out back in the vintage collection of this figure, and I know a lot of people did, but... We've talked a little bit about her on the show already. We're not going to go into a lot of detail on her because she is a carry forward of a figure we've reviewed. And also, she's different enough that collectors are still going to want to get her because she's basically not a repack so much as a repaint. Our friends at Jedi Temple Archives have a wonderful split screen comparison shot of the two. And you can see that actually this one has a Far worse paint app than the last. The skin tone is off. The eyes look buggy. It's just not a great figure.
1: No, they did a really bad job with her eyes. She's got some... Well, it looks like she's looking off in the corner of the room away from you, first of all. She can't have a conversation with you. And they just seem to give her, like, just not enough detail in her face. I don't think this one's all that great in the face.
2: Well, this is going to be the refrain for this figure review is... Overall, I feel like Hasbro has really lowered the quality in this wave. I don't know if this is an ongoing trend, but it seems to kind of be that their paint apps just aren't as clean as they were. They're not terrible in most cases, but they're also just not phenomenal or even all that great. For example, the pupil color is a little different here. They did a good job with like the hair braid, they painted her little gold hair braid and kept it within the lines, but then you start looking at, like, the chest plate, and it looks like there's some areas where the paint coverage isn't completely full. On her hand, some flesh tone got on the plate on the back.
1: I was surprised that her wisp of hair going across her forehead actually is brown.
2: Yeah, and that was something they did on the last figure as well, although on mine... It looks almost like a scar versus a wisp of hair because it's raised and it's also fleshy underneath. Her lipstick is on crooked like she put it on after a bender and didn't have a mirror.
1: Perhaps it's a walk of shame lipstick.
2: If you're a loose collector, this is a good way to get a hard-to-get figure. But if you are a variant collector, I definitely think this one is painted differently enough, even though it's all the same pieces that you'd have to look at it as a repaint versus just a repack. Just not as good of a repaint.
1: Now she comes with her double bladed lightsaber with the blades extended. Then she comes with just her hilt.
2: Same accessories as before. Nice that she has them and the hilt, it does go on her belt. Although, you know, it's a double bladed lightsaber, which means it's a giant hilt. I think she'd have trouble walking. That would just pound against her shin and hurt.
1: I think that that is asking for some trouble.
2: Well, moving on to figure number 2 in this list, Luke Skywalker Dagoba outfit. Now, this figure has frustrated me. I bought a full case of these figures from Brian's Toys, our show sponsor, and it was a wonderful case pack of 2 figures per case. But one of my Luke's had an eye so lazy, it looked like he was about to eat it. It looked like that scene from <laughs> Hostel. When the eyeball is hanging out of the socket and about to be cut. Remember that scene in Hostel and how I squirmed? That's how Dagobah Luke looked. It looked like things went really bad in the cave.
1: I don't know that this one's any better is because his pupils are painted such a way it looks like he's Alice Cooper.
2: <laughs> it's a little requiem for a dream. He just did the drugs and the pupils dilated. Yes, it's not very good. And the paint on the top of his head is such that it is showing through a lot of skin, and it's not even a balding pattern so much as like road rash on his head.
1: (laughs) This is comical, is this a joke? Are you you trying to fool me or something and this is just what you gave me? Because, yeah, they didn't even paint his hair all the way.
2: And it's a shame because this is a great sculpt marred by a bad paint job that I've gotten twice now. I mean, I cannot recall a figure having double articulated elbows ever before.
1: And they look horrible. Don't they look horrible?
2: It does look a little bit like those Lego Technics kind of people because, unfortunately, they chose to do this on a bare-armed figure where the joints are way too visible, and he looks like Robo-Luke.
1: He does. It's not good at all. It's creepy. It's not good. I like that he has the bendy elbows. The double-jointed, I guess, are nice. I don't know what I'd do with
2: that, but... The robot? I mean, you can do anything he wants. I mean, he can move any way your elbow can, and you only have one joint.
1: I do. That's true.
2: He can actually move ways you can't without dislocating.
1: This? Oh, the back? Yeah, I can't do that.
2: I mean, this is great articulation, and I'm so glad they built these arms. I just wish they would have given him some sleeves.
1: They need to do something, because the first thing is when you open that, I looked over at some of the other figures to see, wait, are their elbows all that bad? And it's because, no, they painted and molded over the joints so you don't see them. And I really think they could have done something like they did for Bastilla, Shan, and maybe hidden that a little better. You didn't have to make it wrinkled and rumpled like he's got a shirt on. You still could have done the flesh color, but you could have made it so much better instead of laughable.
2: I don't think there's a whole lot you could have done with these joints on a bare arm. Also, he has a new type of wrist articulation I can't recall seeing before. His wrists, in addition to swiveling, they have an up-down bend, so you can cock his hand like he's writing.
1: He has replaceable hands, so I don't know how that works then, because the peg hand doesn't have that.
2: Yes, it does. Take a look.
1: (gasps) Weird! This is like sorcery. How is that working?
2: And yeah, he has interchangeable hands, so he has a lightsaber hand versus just a I'm-running-and-jumping hand.
1: And he has a gun hand, because he's got a blaster.
2: Yep, he's got his... Gun belt, though, he's in Dagobah, so he will not need them.
1: He's also got his lightsaber in the hilt, so he's pretty good.
2: And his belt is removable, so you can lay it over a log in your diorama and then have him pick it up when he doesn't listen to Yoda. Huh? The weird thing about his gun belt is it, straps are dangling off it in a way that I've never seen before. It's like the clip that keeps the gun in place is just hanging down to his shin again.
1: This is not a good figure.
2: I am really impressed with all of the sculpting and the detail. It's like they brought in a brand new sculptor. It's like they found the valedictorian sculptor from best sculpting school in the world and then gave it to a really talented five-year-old to paint. The five-year-old knew how to do a wash on his pants, but didn't know that she needed to finish off the hair. And take a look, they didn't even paint his leg joints, so there's like this fleshy stripe... Like his pants are torn.
1: That's attractive. Maybe that's how he gets the ladies.
2: Is that the look the girls are looking for?
1: Yes, we love torn camo pants.
2: So I'm really torn. On one hand, this is an architectural marvel. On the other hand, it ended up not looking very good.
1: It's brilliant. It's brilliant, except that the paint and some of the molding is absolutely atrocious.
2: But you can move him in so many ways. I have never had such an easy time getting a figure to do the A in the YMCA dance.
1: No, they usually don't go that easily. So maybe this means now that they've created a new buck, we'll get that maybe in a Han or something. Or Vader.
2: Now, unfortunately, he doesn't do the C very well because he doesn't bend at the waist.
1: Well, (laughs) you need to give up something,
2: right? I mean, the leg articulation, the ankle articulation, I Just think the bare arms are kind of, I'm a person who values realism over articulation. And yeah, this looks like, honestly, the reference I keep going back to is small wonder. Oh God,
1: he is. You're
2: right. So on a scale of one to 10, man, I'm so torn because paint apps and everything like that is very lackluster. So I'd say a three or four for paint. But a 10 for articulation, but then dinged for the elbows. Averaging all the numbers together, I think I'm at a 6. I like him. I just wish I liked him a lot more.
1: The articulation is really good, but it all depends on if they can hide the joints. That's the key. Also, his arm just came off in my hand.
2: At the bicep or?
1: No, at the shoulder. It looks like there's a peg there.
2: Okay. Because I know several people who've mentioned that the bicep came out and they just need a new figure now because when it breaks... Oh, no, that does have a peg. Okay.
1: Well, can I mention that that might be something you want to tell me before I handle the figure and start moving around the arms?
2: No, the bicep is pegged, so if it comes off, you can pop it back on. Somebody else lost it at a less replaceable joint. One of the many elbows. But we're going to return to Luke in a couple of minutes. (laughs) Because next up we have... Yoda, figure 22. The most controversial figure in this wave. And the reason he's controversial is because early photos came out and it looked like you were almost buying a replica of the Empire Strikes Back Yoda puppet. Then later photos came out and sharp-eyed collectors started to cry foul. And now he's here. Is he foul or fair?
1: He is not very good. Bonus for him being tiny. It's nice, you know, to have... He's
2: properly scaled, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's got a large ass. He has the cheapest possible material for his Jedi robe. It's like tent material, but cheaper.
2: I honestly briefly thought it was some form of paper.
1: Yeah, it's like ripstop nylon, but really crappy.
2: On the plus side, it is so paperish that it's one of the few robes that wasn't wrinkled coming out of the bubble. Usually I feel like I need to get a steamer or an iron for some of these soft good robes. This one, I was like, does it bend? And it does, and and was so stiff that I did wonder for a while what material it was made of. Because it didn't really feel like cloth, though it is malleable to allow for some articulation. His joints are kind of stiff, so he doesn't have a ton of articulation. I'm afraid of breaking off his arm.
1: And that stuff's not going to wrinkle. And I'm going to bet he's waterproof, too. It's a really bad figure, though. I mean, the face is such minute details. I couldn't even tell if he had eyes painted on him.
2: He does. I don't think that his face is that bad. It certainly could use a little bit more detail. But I don't think it's really too bad in the face. I see the eyes very clearly. They're tiny. I can see where they'd be hard to see. But they gave him wrinkles in his waddle and all the grid pattern on his forehead and his horseshoe-shaped balding pattern. It's
1: just not very good. I think he looks really cheap and feels really cheap.
2: I think it's just the robe that's hurting him a lot. Overall, I'm not too disappointed with him. I haven't gotten him in front of the macro lens yet, and that's when I'll find every minor drip of paint that got someplace else. But he's decent enough. Is he the best Yoda we've ever had? I don't think so, but he's good enough. I really like the detail they put on his feet. I mean, it really has some wrinkles. I mean, the bottom of his feet have more detail than the front of his face. It's kind of interesting in that regard. They even gave the figure a petty. a mani and a petty. He's got both nails, finger, and toe painted.
1: Now, he comes with some accessories. He comes with his little weird neck flute.
2: Yes, that is... Very tricky because you gotta pop his head off if you want to put it around his neck.
1: And that could traumatize a young child or a grown up woman.
2: But then when you put it on, it does hang pretty well. You gotta be careful that you don't get the rope of the flute caught under the neck. It's a little thick. It's kind of if you were a human wearing this, you'd be wearing like a one inch in diameter chain.
1: So it looked like flavor flavor.
2: Yeah, maybe iced
1: tea. Yeah, fair enough.
2: But he does have it. It has the enough detail on it that it kind of reminds me of Qui-Gon Jinn's Lady's Razor Communicator from Phantom Menace. That's all it really looks like <laughs> is if that came with like a soap on the rope kind of connector.
1: He also comes with this cane because you want him to be safe.
2: Oh, well, at 900 years old, you reach walk so steady you will not.
1: Yes. It's, both of them are kind of flimsy and really soft, malleable rubber. So they could get bent easily if you don't take care of them.
2: And he really doesn't hold the cane very well from what I can tell. I had a lot of trouble just kind of getting it into the hand. You can kind of wedge it into the hand with just the thickest knob, but it's really loose. And so any kind of motion in that thing's going to fall.
1: Now his nest accessory, which I did not pay attention to what it was for, and I thought he came with his own little personal shopping bag for when he goes to Whole Foods and he's very smug about bringing his own bag. But then you inform me, oh, no, that's Luke's, which guess it should come with Luke.
2: Except Luke, remember, they cost per case and per yeah. figure and everything. Luke is a full-sized figure that comes with accessories. They did this back in the first wave of Power of the Force too. Yoda comes with the backpack. Luke comes with the lightsaber. So that way, if you don't have Yoda, you don't have a backpack that you're wondering that he should go in. The backpack itself, I like that it has a little buckle on the front. It's very easy to get on and off. It does have a weird pattern that I can understand why you thought it was a shopping bag. It
1: looked like a take-your-own-bag, like you went at Whole Foods
2: with. It also is way too big for this Yoda. You could probably fit an R2 unit in there.
1: Oh, my God, it's comical. That is not going to work. That that just That's an epic fail.
2: It just looks like... This wasn't a grocery store trip, if that's a shopping bag. This is you ran into 7-Eleven because you just forgot a necessity. Yeah. So overall, on a scale of 10, I'll give the Yoda, the figure himself, probably a 7. But when you start factoring in the accessories, knock him down to a 6.
1: I would actually give him less than that. Perhaps even a 4, given the way he fits in the bag comically. Because it's just amusing. I'm sorry. And I bet Luke won't even stand up with him in the backpack.
2: All right, I have to give you that one. Luke doesn't stand at all with Yoda in the backpack, and that really hurts both these figures. For all Luke's articulation, I can't swivel this leg joint in such a way that he bends forward. There's not a swivel right by the hinge for the leg. So while I can make him do yoga moves, what I can't do is make him tilt ever so slightly forward to be weighted right, and his feet... Especially the right foot, for some reason, it seems, won't go up to let him tilt in that manner.
1: I was fairly confident that the figure that could not stand well on its own was not going to be able to handle another figure, even if it's small, in its little tote bag on his back.
2: There must be a way, but I think I need a figure stand. I think you do. And yeah, Yoda's backpack is still... It's not Yoda's a-
1: gonna fall out.
2: It's not as big once you've put it on Luke. It doesn't look as ridiculous, but it's not like he's leaning out like he's going to spill, but it doesn't look snug. He better hold on.
1: If Yoda was a child, I think somebody would be calling Child protective Services on Luke. <laughs>
2: and the buckle, because it's actually a real workable buckle. You don't just slide it over Luke's head. Because of that, it's so large on Luke's chest.
1: <laughs> it seems small when I'm standing it next to Yoda, though.
2: Yeah, when you put it on Luke's chest, though, it's definitely like a parachute-type harness, something that w- better never come undone. Next up, we have a first-time-ever figure. And for people who complain, no female figures. Here you go. Straight from Hoth, Torrin Far, And once again, I'm going to have to ding the paint apps because unless she has a blown pupil... Mine don't have good eyes.
1: Well, she might have a blown pupil. It's a pretty decent representation. I mean, clearly they don't have rights to that woman anymore because this lady looks old and mean and the lady in the movie looks
2: nice. I think that it's close enough for a figure. I don't think it's that bad.
1: No, I think it's pretty decent. I like the fact that they gave her headphones so she can do like she did on Hoth and guide people out. I think that's what she was doing.
2: And, of course, they're removable. Yes. But it's a nice accessory for her to have. And if you have, like, the old General Riken figure, you can get that board that she stares at and have her seated at that (laughs) with the headphones on. And it fits very well on her head. I got to give it that.
1: I don't know if she actually had a gun that we saw in the movie, but she does come with a little blaster, a little rubble blaster.
2: That's pretty normal. You know, it's a really basic figure, and other than one eye a little bigger than the other and a little skin showing through on the hair again. I kind of like that they just sculpted her and went with the plastic color for her body. It's reminding me of the Hoth figures I had as a kid, you know, just that kind of quilting. Then they put a coat over her, so she does have much more detail there. But I actually really like the body sculpt, and even though it's not hyper articulated, it does the job for a figure who I don't think I ever saw stand up.
1: No, it's pretty decent. I I think that they did a good job. I think that people were screaming for more female figures, but I really think they just wanted more Leia.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. I think all female characters will do. Leia's an obvious go-to. Me, I just want characters we've never gotten before. This is one. She's a decent enough character. I'm going to give her a nine, dinged only one point because of the paint.
1: I would give her probably an eight or nine. Paint apps are what's killing a lot of these figures.
2: Honestly, if they had given her perfect pupils and a filled-in hair, she'd be a 10. Just because I'm really excited for a new figure. Although, honestly, this is a credit to Hasbro. That I'm excited they're making Torin Far such a minor character means their character depth, especially for the original trilogy, is really good. There's still so many prequel characters, especially episode 1 characters, Kitster, Wald, Tay Howe, the Nemoidian that goes, they've gone up the ventilation shaft.
1: That's the one that got in trouble for, so I don't think they'll make that.
2: Well, next, figure twenty-four, the snowtrooper commander.
1: You know this is one of my favorite characters. I love snowtroopers. They're my they used to scare me. They're one of my favorites. I think he's great. He has the right outfits. It's not crappy fabric that stands out. I, I like the fact that it's a vinyl cape because their capes are kind of static. I think sometimes when they use the soft goods, it really takes away from the figure sometimes.
2: Yeah, I don't know what material this is. I don't know if this is actually a thick vinyl or a thin plastic, but it's not cloth. It is movable, but it does limit articulation of the legs also. The cool thing is they built a holster into the cape.
1: I know, and he's got a little gun! It's fashionable
2: and functional.
1: And that's what you want, you know, if you're an old lady. I like him. I like Snowtroopers. He's got enough articulation where you could pose him around. It's not like they're doing calisthenics or anything like that. His legs bend, his arms bend. He kind of bends at the waist. I didn't think they had too much mobility in that outfit anyway, but I like him.
2: First of all, he's all white plastic. This can only aid Hasbro with their current paint app process because there's no paint app to give. Had they gone with a wash, had they tried to make him dirty or something, they could have had some issues. The little markings on his chest, yeah, the ranking insignia that designates him as a commander, it looks like it's kind of bleeding a little bit instead of well in there, but that is minor compared to bad eyes and missing hair. So I'm not even gonna ding the paint app for not being one hundred percent correct because I can't be too hard on even a twelve to fifteen dollar three and three quarter inch action figure. I like the way they sculpted his pants. And you're right, he has a good amount of articulation. I will say his hands keep falling off.
1: I have cut his hands off twice now.
2: And he comes with two guns.
1: He's got a big gun and a little gun. But this is the one they usually equate, the big one, they usually equate with the snowtroopers. How about you?
2: I really, when I think of snowtroopers, think of that E-web blaster that they put on the tripod. And
1: Yeah, I love playing that in a Lego game. <laughs> is that wrong? Random memory.
2: No, I think this is really well done. I even like the little belt buckle they put on him.
1: I think he's good. I'm going to give him a 10. And you know, I don't give those out too freely.
2: A 10, huh? A perfect figure. Is this a perfect figure? Well, I don't do decimals, and I was thinking 9.5, so I'm going to round that to 10. Yeah. Yay! I almost gave him a 9 just for the paint in that corner, but I said I wasn't going to get anal about it. So I don't have any other problems with him. His legs won't bend back with the cape, but I'd rather have a really good-looking cape than a snow trooper that I could have kneel. He wouldn't kneel anyway. It's snow. It's no. cold.
1: They just need to stand and
2: run. So Hasbro can do really good figures, but sometimes I think simplicity is better, and... You know what? I'm changing it. I'm gonna to go to a 9. Okay. The hands keep falling off.
1: Okay, you're right. I guess I was blinded by the fact that it's an awesome snowtrooper.
2: And for a 10, he'd have to have the hyper articulation like Luke and still look this good. But he's a definite 9.
1: He's really good. I think that he's worth picking up if you really like snowtroopers or you need a really cool figure.
2: Yeah, pick him up if you can find him right now of these Wave 4 figures. He is the one that's sold out wherever I look. But he is shipping, again, one per case in Wave 5, so you'll have another shot at him. Now, looking at Dorkside Toys, where I was looking earlier for the new figures, I noticed something very funny. They have Bastilla Sean, Torn Far, Dagobah Luke, and Yoda all available individually. And they have DAC. They also have so many DACs, you can buy five DACs in one cheap bundle. Five DAX would normally be $55, but right now you can get five DAX for the price of three at $34.99. Really? That's just because they're sitting on a lot of DAC. Wow. And let's talk about Dak Ralter, the last figure in this wave. Like Bastilla Sean, it's basically the vintage collection figure, redone, repainted. Again, our friends at Jedi Temple Archives have a wonderful split screen look.
1: Here's the thing: it's a snowsmeeter pilot, right? Yep. Okay. Most of the time in the movie, you see him with his helmet on, right? Yep. All right, so I'm not going to nitpick his likeness, because I could be standing next to Dak Ralter and not even know. I may have been many times. I do not know. I live a very weird life. (laughs) I think that the costume is pretty good, although he seems a little long in the hips, and I'm sure it's because they had to accommodate the different accoutrements on him. But doesn't he appear to be like a little long in the hip area?
2: Yeah, they're just reusing a buck they've used before, though, so I don't think it is. I think it may just be the way his little hose is dangling between his legs.
1: I don't know, and he can't bend because he's got the accoutrement on. But it's okay, I mean, it's a decent figure. He'll never be able to fit in a snowspeeder or any other vehicle because these are not made for that.
2: Yeah, I was thinking you could always find one of the old snowspeeders, but you'd really have to wedge this figure in. But again, if you have Dak, you may not need another one, this one... The paint colors are different if you look at that split-screen look. It's not as bad as Bastilla Shawn Sean, where it's night and day, it's just you're noticing it's a different color. Where, like, it's one of those, and I've been there, where if you were trying to find both variants of this loose, you better have one in hand to put right up next to the other, because otherwise you're not necessarily going to be able to tell. He does come with a gun, which he never had in the movie.
1: He has a blaster, which looks like Han's blaster. And then a machine gun with a strap. As well as his helmet, of course, because you don't want him to bang his head.
2: He's a repack, again, a figure that some people may have missed out on given the Vintage Collection's distribution issues. My sample here that I bought from Brian's Toys has no big paint problems. He doesn't have any of the paint app issues I've had with other figures. Again, I think I'm going to give this a good rating for a repack. I mean, his paint looks pretty decent. I'm going to go an 8, And the only reason I'm not going higher is because, yeah, you can't sit him in a snowspeeder without probably damaging the plastic on his tunic. So that is wave four. Wave five should be shipping very soon. And wave six will be up for pre-order soon. As of this recording, it's not yet up at our sponsor, Brian's Toys. But they have something very worth going and seeing. A brand new website. I was freaked out when I went there. After going to Brian's Toys all the time, one time I went and I'm like, did I type the wrong URL? No, they've got a slick, gorgeous new site.
1: It is awesome. It is utterly amazing. I really like it.
2: It's got some nifty features like really clearly delineated categories for vintage and modern and collectibles. A nice search function. You can log in real easily. So definitely head over, check out their new site, and while there, you can pick up, they still have the vintage Jocasta new figures, or that FX collectible Scout Trooper helmet, the limited edition pre-order, and the gentle giant maquette, Vader's Little Princess and Darth Vader and Son. And on the new site, it doesn't look like you can tell them you were referred to them by Star Wars Action News, but still support them as they support our show.
1: Speaking of upcoming collectibles, Subway has gone to the dark side, or the rebel side, if you will. Jared, who apparently is a big Star Wars fan, helped out with a Subway promotion in September and October where for every kid's meal you get, you get a free Star Wars Rebels bag. And these aren't fantastic bags. They're little tiny flat bags with a drawstring. They had them for Guardians of the Galaxy and Iron Man. And they're okay,
2: They're actually really hard to get, if Guardians is any indication. They only have a couple at a time. If you're going to be a completist on subway bags, you're going to have a little bit of a trick. I want to see these. The pictures that were sent to us of Jared there, you can barely see the bags. I can kind of make out the Rebels logo if I squint on one. I'm not dissing the photos. The one of Jared and three stormtroopers recreating the Abbey Road cover is amazing. But... (laughs) You know, they just had a blast with that, but I guess it's a way to eat fresh and get a collectible
1: The next up, we've got Andrew who went to Gen Con. So I was kind of curious what he thought of it
3: Hi everybody Andrew here, one of your video enhancers, and I'm reporting to you in the aftermath of Gen Con 2014. For those of you who aren't familiar with Gen Con, it is THE tabletop gaming convention. Now before I go any further, get the visions of Candyland, Monopoly, and Pacheezy out of your minds. You won't find a Milton Bradley or Parker Brothers booth on the show floor here. This is a place for the designer board, card, miniature, and role-playing game to shine. The convention itself is held annually in the Indiana Convention Center located in downtown Indianapolis. That location should sound familiar to many of you, as it was the same building that hosted Star Wars Celebrations 2 and 3 before moving to the west and east coasts. Fantasy Flight Games has had the license to produce card, miniature, and role-playing games based in the Star Wars universe since 2011. Note that I did not mention board games. More on that later. In the following months, Fantasy Flight announced three lines which have been their focus ever since. Star Wars X-Wing, a fast-paced, miniature dogfighting game where you pit a squad of rebel ships against a squad of imperial ships. Star Wars The Card Game, which is a card game that Fantasy Flight calls a living card game, which just means that it releases set expansion packs roughly every month, and a line of Star Wars role-playing books. Since it was announced, X-Wing has been a heavy hitter in the tabletop gaming industry. This line is very popular, partially due to its gaming experience, but also because the tiny ships are so detailed, collectors have been picking them up just for their display capability. It has seen five waves of expansion ships released so far, and during FFG's in-flight report at Gen Con, they announced Wave 6, which will introduce a new faction to the game, Scum and Villainy. These ships look amazing. We'll be getting a Most Wanted set, which includes two repainted Z-95 Headhunters, a repainted Y-Wing, it also comes with new stat cards that will allow you to play the old Fire, Spray and Hawk-290 ships as the new faction. But those are just repaints, what about the new ships? Well, Wave 6 will also see the release of the M3A Sick Fighter, which first appeared in the Star Wars Galaxies MMO, and IG-88 ship, the IG-2000. Both of these ships look good, but the one that is really striking is the Star Viper, which of course is the ship that Prince Shizor piloted in Shadows of the Empire. This ship looks incredible, and I cannot wait to add this one to my collection. And X-Wing wasn't the only miniature space combat game on display. Just days before the convention doors opened, Fantasy Flight announced that they are releasing a new line of Star Wars miniature ships with Star Wars Armada. As a collector, one of the biggest selling points of the X-Wing line was that all of the models are to scale. 1 270th scale, to be exact. So the ships look great when displayed together. But that rule is very limiting when it comes to capital ships. Last year at Gen Con, Fantasy Flight announced that X-Wing was getting two huge scale ships added to the line, the Blockade Runner and the Rebel Transport. Of course, these can't be to scale or they'd be the size of an entire house. So FFG moved those two models away from the 1-220th scale and gave them a scale that the designers are calling, it just feels right. But they do look a little strange when sharing a space with the in-scale starfighters. This is where Armada comes in. It's a miniatures game designed to simulate larger scale battles. If you're playing a starfighter pilot in X-Wing, you're a general in Armada. Everything is scaled down in this game. The capital ships have the same detail as their X-Wing predecessors, but the starfighters are tiny. I got a chance to demo Armada with my wife while at the show and found the game mechanics to be more complicated than X-Wing. While that might make sense because of the larger scale of the battle, locking in your capital ship moves two to three turns in advance, we both felt that it was too complicated for the casual gamers that we find ourselves to be. Plus, the core set will retail just under $100. While it does come with three capital ships, ten starfighter squadrons, which, by the way, are unpainted, and tons of cards and tokens needed to play, I may consider passing on this one. The biggest news, though, and the announcement that I am most excited for, came in the form of Star Wars Imperial Assault. This game is also pricey at $100, but it comes with a lot more and has more replayability in my opinion. Imperial Assault is very similar to Fantasy Flight's game Descent, if you've ever played that one. It is basically a role-playing board game. There is one player who controls all of the Imperial forces, and up to four players controlling specific rebel characters who each have specific abilities and gear just like in a role-playing game. Each character has an unpainted minifigure that moves about on a map made up of tiles that can fit together like puzzle pieces, which allows for hundreds of different board game layouts. I hear what you're saying, but wait a minute, Andrew. You started your report saying that Fantasy Flight doesn't have the rights to make Star Wars board games. You're right, I did say that, didn't I? And that question was brought up during the report's Q&A session. When asked how they managed to gain the ability to make this game, Fantasy Flight's CEO, Christian Peterson, was quite cagey in his response. He basically said he can't answer the question, and everyone else that I talked to from FFG throughout the weekend immediately jumped on the I-don't-know-anything wagon. So who knows? I don't see Hasbro losing the license to produce traditional games such as Star Wars Monopoly, Trouble, or Memory, but I would speculate that FFG has gained the ability to create larger, more complicated, and thus more expensive, board games. My wife and I were able to demo this game as well, and we both agreed that the mechanics are very easy to learn, and really enjoyed the storytelling aspect of the campaign mode. The miniatures are really well sculpted, though it is a shame that they aren't painted. Of course, that would have probably added $75 to an already expensive set. But what excites me more is that Christian also alluded to the possibility of an expansion in the future that will allow all players to play cooperatively which is a style of play that is absent in FFG's current Star Wars lineup. Overall, Gen Con was a great time, and Star Wars tabletop gaming is stronger than ever. I will be interested to see where it goes in the future with the upcoming films and TV shows. Oh, that reminds me. There was a question in the Q&A in regards to how the Disney acquisition has affected FFG's daily operations. During his answer, Christian mentioned a couple of key things. the new. Legends banner has not kept them from pulling from those stories for inspiration in their ship models or game mechanics. However, he did say that Lucasfilm has pushed back on a couple of products that they sent for approval. Now, Christian didn't know for sure, but he did specifically say that it could have been due to Episode 7. And with that seed of speculation firmly planted, I'll hand you back to our hosts, Arnie and Marjorie.
2: Thank you, Andrew, not only for that report, but for all the video editing you do for the podcast. He's doing this week's show, so all the pretty pictures, thank Andrew. Now, finally, the moment you've waited for. In stores tomorrow, Star Wars A New Dawn, the Rebels tie-in novel written by John Jackson Miller that is completely canonical. There's no G-level, T-level, F-level canon anymore. There's just canon. And this is as canon as episodes one through six, the Clone Wars, the Rebel series, and the upcoming episode seven. I'm on pins and needles. John Jackson Miller's one of my favorite Star Wars authors. Brock is now going to join us and tell us how it is.
0: This is Brock, Star Wars Action News Book Club liaison with a spoiler free as possible review of Star Wars, A New Dawn by John Jackson Miller. Review copy courtesy of Delray Books. John Jackson Miller returns to the Star Wars universe a year after his remarkable Star Wars Kenobi with Star Wars A New Dawn, a tie-in novel to the upcoming Star Wars cartoon Rebels. The book's title, A New Dawn, is apropos in more ways than one, to the story here and to Star Wars in general, as this is the first work of the relaunch of the Star Wars publishing program, tied into the Lucasfilm Story Group initiative aimed at unifying Star Wars canon across multiple mediums. Mr. Miller faces a tall order going in. He has to introduce us to, endear us to, and be true to characters that are not his own creation and that we're not familiar with, all to whet our appetites to want to see more of them on a weekly basis starting in October. And beyond that, he is tasked to get long-time and loyal EU fans to continue to follow the adventures in the galaxy far, far away. While many of us, myself included, acknowledge the timing is right for a fresh start to the Star Wars EU, there are some not as keen to discard the hours upon hours of time spent and volumes of quality legacy material produced over the past 35 years. John Jackson Miller gratefully addresses this last issue straight away in his acknowledgement page. The last sentence of that page reads, and I quote, Finally, I owe a debt to all the writers who have worked in the Star Wars universe to date, and to the millions of readers who've supported their works. The stories we love may not always fit neatly into a single timeline, but they will always matter. Well said, implies the good intentions of this initiative while paying the respect of how we got here, a class act. The action in A New Dawn takes place several years prior to the start of the Rebels TV show, primarily in the planetary system of Gorse and its moon, Cinda, both of which are important to the Empire because thorilide, a raw material natural resource the Empire needs to run its fleet, is mined here. An Empire agent, Count Vidian, is sent to the planet as an efficiency expert to increase production of this valuable commodity. The mysterious Twilight Hera follows him for reasons we will eventually learn, and there she meets up with locals Zaluna, Skelly, and the journeyman Kanan, and they soon find themselves working together to get to the bottom of the real reasons Count Vidian is here at Gorse. At the beginning of this novel, we learn that the planet of Gorse doesn't rotate on its axis anymore, and so one side is always baked in the sunlight, and only the dark side is habitable at this time. One day that may change, but for now, that is the reality. Admittedly, yes, this is a little heavy on the symbolism referencing the current state of the galaxy, sure, and another fitting nod to the title of this novel, but nonetheless sets the stage nicely. Our heroes will need to rise out of this darkness to start to make a difference. Furthermore, this theme of duality permeates the book, and not just with the planet Gorse, but with some characters being literally two people, or of two minds, and how other characters are accepting reality for the first time, admitting they have been lying to themselves for a long while, and finally accepting that times have changed. I am a fan of how Mr. Miller structured the first half of this book. As you may expect, we are introduced to the main characters in separate chapters on seemingly unrelated plot threads, filling us in with needed exposition and proper introductions. While we know they will unite at some point, what I liked was how Mr. Miller took his time getting there, not making their convergence a straight shot, but having three or four steps and obstacles for each character to have to go through, establishing a logical order of events rather than relying on coincidence to bear the burden. He spent more time on setting up these characters than I expected, and I am happy he did so. I appreciate how many of the characters here are given actual character arcs and that those who don't have complete arcs are not just all two-dimensional beings. That even Sloane, the temporary captain of Vidian's Imperial Star Destroyer, not only has career aspirations, but common sense and a sense of self-worth. I also like how she speaks with Vidian on the actual logistics of running the Empire. She could have been a complete cookie-cutter Imperial Captain, and yet Mr. Miller was sure to give her more. That is the sort of thing we don't always get in Star Wars fiction and the sort of stuff that, when I was correctly predicting where the story was going, was keeping me invested in the novel. Balancing out and sometimes paying off these character arcs are some solid action scenes. There's a great character moment that leads into a fun action beat where Hera and Kanan realize a solution to their problem at the same time. They look at each other and they both break out into a run on the rooftops towards an ascending transport. I could clearly visualize the camera shots of them looking at each other, cutting to a pullout of them running, how the camera then rotate and pull up to show how much far they have to run, and you can swear you hear exciting music swelling as they get to their destination. Another standout action scene was this exciting chase through the city, with our heroes escaping on a Junker hover bus. A good scene. Cannon was by far my favorite character in this book. I love his backstory a trained Jedi Padawan named Caleb who was not able to become a Jedi apprentice because of Order 66. His future taken away from him, he learned quickly that he had to hide his abilities to survive, and that he goes out of his way to make people never even suspect he is anything more than a cynical and opportunistic jerk. Much like Han Solo, he's a man who, while isn't afraid to bend the rules for his own needs. There are still some absolute rights and wrongs in the core of his being that even he can't run away from no matter how hard he wants to or tries. And we read he has been suppressing his real self so long that he's at the point where he acknowledges Caleb, his real identity, as a different person. The layers to explore here seem vast and I am so glad I can go into the new show armed with this knowledge because I am not sure how much of the meat of this backstory we will get in the series. The character of Zeluna also piqued my interest. Not only because through her character, who works in surveillance for the Empire, the real-world issues of privacy concerns are brought out, but more because on the character level, we see her finally accept the Empire for what it truly is, for the first time. That angle on her was some of the most poignant material of the novel, as we read her struggle with picking the right decisions over the safer ones. Furthermore, I can see how readers could empathize with Zaluna as she, like many of us, who have worked in one job for a long period of time, have seen with management changes, goals and priorities of the company change, and how that may not always gel with your viewpoints of what is best for your company. Saluna's remarkable communications hacking abilities were at times a little far-fetched and convenient, but I was going with it figuring she would need that for the upcoming cartoon series. I didn't know while reading the book she isn't part of the cast of the new show. Another supporting player to our heroes just here for this adventure is Skelly, the disabled Clone Wars veteran who also provides social commentary while at the same time is written as a humorous play off the cliché of the government conspiracy theorist. You can't help but sympathize for Skelly, even though we the readers cannot condone his plot-propelling actions. The other character here we will see in the show, Hera, shines when she interacts with Kanan, and when she's trying to figure out what makes Kanan tick. She also has some nice moments where she's keeping perennial score of the people she may want to approach, as she helps in organizing a unified front for what we assume will be the Rebel Alliance. Those moments stood out for me because that is what really is at the core of this book. What is it that pushes people? What causes them to rebel against this empire, and to go against their first instincts, and join up in this cause? The villain here, Count Vidian, is effective for this story. It is hard to not think Darth Vader. Vidian is a cyborg who is more machine than man, all his limbs and body replaced with robotic parts, who kills underlings without care, and who answers to no one but the Emperor himself. Yet there are key differences. Vidian's voice is purposely robotic to accentuate effect, he wears a synth-flesh face to be easier on the eyes for those around him, and most importantly, he doesn't have the force. The character background on Vidian is vast, and while it cleanly allows us to see Vidian's perspective and motivation for his actions, unfortunately also helped me figure out where the story was going a little earlier than the author likely intended. As the book reaches its climax, the plot and story arcs reach their only natural conclusions they could have. Which is good! That is what you want! But I just could have used a few more surprises along the way to get there, you know? I admit, this could be more my issue than the book's. And perhaps for other readers, it all won't be such a foregone conclusion. Perhaps I was too in tune with what the author was going for in this piece, or I just flat-out guessed correctly. But I digress. I am curious how different this book would read if I knew Jaden and Hera already if I watched episodes of the show or a full season before I read this book. Come November or December, perhaps someone in the forums can provide some insight on that perspective for us. That said, Star Wars A New Dawn does succeed in its mission. It gives us a nice introduction to two of the main characters of the new show Rebels and provides a nice start to the new era of Star Wars fiction. The story is good for providing a solid foundation and framework to weave in some good Star Wars character work we are now expecting from John Jackson Miller. I am already looking forward to his next effort in this universe, and I can honestly say I am now also looking more forward to watching Star Wars Rebels next month. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie.
2: Thank you, Brock. Speaking of Star Wars Rebels, there is some other media out there. We're still trying to figure out all the details, but there is a DVD coming out on October 14th, Star Wars Rebels Spark of Rebellion. It's up now on pre-order from Amazon, and it says, From the Ashes of the Old Republic, an unlikely band of heroes emerges to renew the fight for freedom. Witness the epic debut of the riveting animated series, Star Wars Rebels, in this full-length must-own movie, now on DVD for the first time ever. Five years before the events of Star Wars For A New Hope. Yes, it says Star Wars, like...
1: Oh, it does. Yes. Okay.
2: Like Ward of the State, Star Wars For A New Hope. The reigning evil empire continues to tighten its grip of power and fear throughout the cosmos. But even amidst the tyranny and treachery of the dark side, a glimmer of light emerges. Meet the ragtag crew of the starship Ghost. Twilik pilot Hera, street-smart pickpocket Ezra, team leader Kanan, alien enforcer Zeb, explosive expert Sabine, and Chopper, the cantankerous droid. Together, they embark on action-packed adventures, battle ruthless villains, and ignite the very first... Spark of rebellion against a surging tide of stormtroopers, TIE fighters, and mysterious Sith Lords! It ended in an exclamation point, so I had to really go up there.
1: But there was already a rebellion of sorts with Bail Organa at the end of episode
2: 3. Only in the book.
1: No, you could kind of tell he went and hid the twins.
2: Yeah, but that's... Uh, eh. I'm thinking what this DVD is is basically what they were doing with the Clone Wars series, taking the first few episodes, splicing them together into a movie, because it does say, witness the epic debut, but with a release date of October 14th, you may be able to see some of these episodes ahead of time if you buy this DVD, versus wait for the Disney XD error. So, if you want to pick this up, we'd appreciate it if you use the link from the Star Wars Action News homepage. We'll link straight to the Sparks of Rebellion DVD. Me, I'm Gonna watch the first episodes before I decide if I need to be a media completionist on Rebels. I may just wait for the inevitable Blu-ray box set. Well, that's our show for this week. And our show for next time as well. Because for those of you who follow us on Facebook and Twitter, you may have seen I've been posting over for nowplayingpodcast.com. I've been doing a movie review a day at the Venganza Media Gazette. And I've been doing it one movie per year for 40 years because... It's about to happen. The next time Star Wars Action News comes to you, you can officially say the co-host is an old man because I'm going to be 40.
1: Does that mean I'm no longer a cougar?
2: What it means is I'm going to get blitzed and not think about my youth for a while. So we're going to Vegas and (laughs) I'll be back in... Another show cycle, so we're taking one show off. There won't be a show two weeks from now, but two weeks after that, we will be back and hopefully have lots of news and maybe even Wave 5 Black Series figures to review. But while I'm going to Vegas, some of you may need to go to Rancho Obi-Wan for their second annual fundraising gala. That's happening September 20th. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be an auction. It's going to be a huge Huge party. Saturday, September 20th from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. To get in, you just donate $250 to Rancho Obi-Wan. It is only open to Rancho Obi-Wan members, but that's only an additional $40 tax-deductible donation if you're not. It's hosted by Steve. There's dinner. There's drinks. There's trading cards. It's going to be a blast. I really wish we could make it, except I need to drink away my pain. (laughs) So thank you for listening. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the next few weeks if you want the latest news updates. And we'll be back with the show in a few weeks.
1: We'll see you in a few weeks.
0: Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can be on the next episode of Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted are subject to use on our show. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com. The most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star written review on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Star Wars Action News podcast video enhancement by Andrew, Daryl, Josh, and Barrett. Star Wars Action News website designed by Jason. Photo editing by Jay. Graphic design by Chris, associate produced and announcements by Brock. Segments hosted by Jerry, Jonathan, Brock, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and Yakface.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved star wars action news is a venganza media production copyright 2014 all rights reserved and no part of this show may be reproduced repurposed or redistributed without the written permission of venganza media incorporated until next time may the pegs be stopped and the force be with you star wars action news now this is podcasting
2: That's just because they're sitting on a lot of DAC.
1: Wow. And let's talk.
2: No. <laughs> the way his little hose is dangling between his legs.
1: Yeah, okay. So I'm going to move on and pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> okay,
2: hold on. You could always find one of the old snow speeders, but you'd really have to wedge this figure in. Oh, it's an X-Wing pilot. Get it? Wedge.
1: Ha! Snowspeeder.
3: Fantasy Flight Games has had the license to produce hard hard.
2: Together, they embark on an action-packed adventures. That one I got wrong. And we'll be back with a show in a few weeks. Say goodnight, Gracie.
1: Aw, it's like our first show.